Hello, church family. Um, today we're, and tomorrow, really, we're going to focus on one uh, point uh, in terms of what it means, to, the significance of confessing sin and how Christians should go about it. Yesterday, we talked about how uh, there are, uh, in the life of the Christian, moments where we fall into sin and we need to confess our sin. Um, the first five verses of Nehemiah chapter 9 speaks of how the people of God, um, after hearing God's word being preached, they confess their sins of the things that they've done and even the pattern of their the, the lives that they've done that's similar to their forefathers. Um, they realize that they have fallen short of God's glory and because of that, um, because of the teaching and preaching God's word, they end up confessing their sin first and foremost to the Lord. So, Today and tomorrow, we are going to look at the second point where confession is centered around our Savior. It's centered around God. Um, this is a very long section, so that's why I decided to divide it up to two parts. Uh, this is going to, we're going to look at today from verse 5 to 30, uh, not to 37, but to 25, 5 to 25, and tomorrow we'll look at to 26 until 27 or 28, uh, but hopefully we can... Uh, go through this, and I, I am going to do a lot of summarizing because of the length of this, this, you know, this, this prayer here or this song. Um, and I hope that this will make us think about when we think about confessing to the Lord that it is really centered around who the person of God is. Uh, so we're going to start from verse five. Then the Levite Joshua, Kedemiah, Benai, Heshaniah, Sherebina, Hodiah. Sherebana and Pethiah said, Arise, bless the Lord your God forever and ever. O oh my, your gracious name be blessed and exalted above all blessings and praise. You alone are, my, are the Lord. You have made the heavens, the heavens of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to all of them, and the heavenly host bows down before you. Uh, this first section here really speaks of the uh, creation accounts, that everything is under the Lord. And when we confess, we have to understand the reason why we confess to the Lord is because He owns us. We belong to Him. Uh, when we think of, sometimes when we think of um, morality, we think that somehow it's internal, of uh, is only internal, or we think of it like some sort of external where people just subjectively made. Uh, but for God, it actually is internal. Uh, he is the reflection of holiness. He is uh, the standard of all righteousness. God doesn't look into space and has to find this giant tablet to figure out what's right and wrong. No, no. Uh, when God talks about holiness, it's, it's who he is. Um, and people that are under his creation are, are called to be submissive under his rule. Um, God is control of all things and he's a, because he's the creator of all things, and they go hand in hand. God knows how to control every little thing because he is the one who created them. He knows how to operate them because he's the inventor. And that's the idea here when, we've, when, uh, when the Israelites are confessing here. They're acknowledging that God is control of everything and also the creator of everything, and everything in all creation um, needs to worship him and to bow down to him. Um, he speaks of the heavenly host. This is, you know, the angels. The angels are even bowing down to him. And it doesn't make any distinction between either fallen ones or righteous ones. Just the heavenly hosts in general bow down before the Lord. Verse 7, You are the Lord God who, who chose Abraham and brought him out from Ur of the Chaldeans. Okay, 
uh, Chaldees and gave him the name Abraham. This is a um, reference back to Genesis, where uh, Genesis 12 or 11, 12, and 17, how God chose Abraham out of you know these are these are moon worshippers really. Uh, he, he he told he told he basically chose him, rescued him, and made a promise with him that through him he's going to make um, an entire nation of worshippers. Uh, through him he's going to make a family uh, that's going to number it's going to be more than the numbers in the sky. Basically, the point that God is trying to make is that he's going to use Abraham as a means to fulfill his covenant promise. Um, again, looking from creation to, cov- to the covenant promise, you see God is in control of all things um, and, and people and events to make sure that um, his name is made known uh, to all the nations. <clears throat> Verse 8, you found his heart faithful before you. You made a covenant with him to give him the land of the, of the Canaanites, of the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Pezzarites, and Jebusites, and the Gigerashites. Uh, to give it to his descendants, you have fulfilled your promise. You are righteous. Again, this is a fulfillment um, of God's promise by uh, that he made uh, years ago. And then, uh, moving on to history, you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard the cry, their cry by the Red Sea. Uh, then you performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all the, his servants and all the people of the land. For you knew that they acted arrogantly towards them you, and made a name for yourself as it is this day. You divide the sea before them, so they pass through the midst of the sea on dry ground, and their pursuers you hurl into the depths like a stone into raging waters. Uh, so this is the uh, like a summary of the Exodus account, um, that uh, there was a, a salvation part of this, um, that God saved them because he heard their cry. Even the way that he does it, is a, it's amazing. Um, you know, the parting of the Red Sea happened because uh, there was just so uh, providential. The Lord even used the winds to do it. Uh, in Exodus 14, uh, it speaks about how it happened, how everything was, uh, the water was able to part. God was control the wind. He, he, made, he made the wind move the waters. Uh, the Israelites were able to cross uh, the Red Sea and then closed it up exactly when the, uh, before the you know, Pharaoh's army was able to catch up to them. And even then, it said that the Pharaoh's army was... They, the reason why they didn't catch up wasn't because it was like they were really far away or that they were slow. It was because the Lord confused them intentionally. He made them run around in circles um, because he just distracted them so that all the people of Israel could get through. So again, it's supposed to demonstrate his power over salvation in all things. Verse 13, uh, oh sorry, verse 12, And with a pillar of cloud you led them by day, and with a pillar of fire by night, to, to light for them the way in which they, are, they were to go. And you came down on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven. You gave them just ordinances, just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. Again, this is the Mosaic law. Um, so like what I said earlier about how God doesn't look uh, to some sort of external source to decide what's right and wrong. He, he's one who, who decides, and people are supposed to write this down. And uh, that's what Moses did. He wrote down on a wooden tablet, not, not wooden, stone tablet, on, um, on what, what is expected of God's people. Uh, this is the law to show them that what is right and wrong. And notice it's just orange and true laws. The implication is that before this, um, there wasn't any law that there, there may be common grace uh, and maybe the law written in their heart but now there's like a codified version they know exactly what is offensive to the Lord and what is pleasing to him and what they need to do in order to be made right with him verse 14 so you made known to them your holy Sabbath and laid down for them commandments statutes and laws through your servant Moses 
and you know the holy sabbath this is intended for rest uh so as they travel uh, they're supposed to remember back again to the creation account that the lord worked in six days and he rested in the seventh and the israelites are supposed to find true rest in not just the the, the day that the lord um gave to them but also the a deeper rest that they could find in the lord verse 15 you provided bread from the heaven uh, from heaven for them for their hunger you brought forth water from a rock for them for their thirst and you told them to enter in to possess the land which you swore to them swore to give them this is this is a, a summary of the book of numbers where where they're in the wilderness and the, and the lord you know they're complaining about what food to, uh, how they're going to eat they're going to starve to death and yet the lord constantly provide for them um and yeah and then and and the result though however is verse 16 or yeah verse 16 but they our fathers acted arrogantly. They became stubborn and would not listen to your commandments. They refused to listen and did not remember your wondrous deeds, which you had performed among them. So they became stubborn and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. This is, again, a discontentment and a distrust in the Lord. Um, God has done so much for them, and yet they still chose to not to listen. They chose to, they refused to listen. Uh, they, were, um, they were completely uh, discontent, again, uh, angry at times at Moses and uh, and the, you know Aaron and them, but yet we see God's faithfulness. Uh, last half verse seventeen. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and, and compassion, slow to anger and bounding in love and kindness, and you did not forsake them, even when they made for themselves a calf of golden metal and said, "This is your God who brought you from Egypt and committed great blasphemy." You and your great compassion did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not leave them by day to guide them on their way, nor the pillar by fire to, uh, by night to light for them the way in which they were to go. You gave your spirit, your good spirit, to instruct them. Your manna you did not withhold from their mouth. You gave them water for their thirst. Again, we see God's faithfulness in spite of their uh, constant complaining and grumbling. Um, in fact, if you look at the book of Numbers, you'll see that the only two people that really made it to the promised land that, start, that left Egypt was uh, Joshua and Caleb, not even Moses. Like, you get the sense that when, at the end of Deuteronomy that Moses like almost feels like he's frustrated with them. Like, oh, I, I went through all of this. And I can't even see the promised land. You God tells him, hey, we're going to go over here and, and take a walk. And, and Moses wanted to go in the promised land. But God told him, no, Moses, you're not going to go inside. And, um, and people uh, were, or, you know, again, there's only two left. They, God had to take out an entire generation of people and raise up a new one before they go into the land. Um, verse 21, indeed, 40 years you provided for them in the wilderness, and they were not in want. And their clothes did not wear out, nor their feet swell. You gave, oh, so this, again, this is going back to the book of Numbers. Uh, they, were, they were basically seeing God's measure of grace and sustenance throughout the entire time, and they failed to acknowledge that God is supernaturally providing for them and caring for them. They, they, it didn't dawn on them that they didn't need to buy new clothes, that their clothes wasn't wearing and tearing. Um, I, my wife and I, whenever we do laundry, sometimes I discover these holes in my clothes, and I ask Kelly, like, how does this happen? Like, well, I don't remember, like, stabbing myself or things piercing through why are there holes here and that's just the wear and tear of clothing um and that's this is in the modern context so you imagine how easy the clothes would be destroyed in the you know back in the wilderness but yet the lord every day provided for them and one evidence of that grace is that their clothes never wore out 
And I think you and I need to understand that even in our context of our life. Every time we have a single breath in life, it is a measure of God's grace. It is a, a, a demonstration of his kindness towards us. We are always in sin every single day, but sometimes when we look at how good our God is in providing us every single day, the more awareness you are of God's provision in your life, you will learn to be thankful and, and, and stay away from sin. You'll do all that you can because you know how much God loves you. And why would you sever such a great relationship with the Lord for a fleeting pleasure of sin? God always cares for his people and God always provides for them, even if they don't want, even if they don't want it or they're not even aware of it. But yet God is compassionate and kind. So when we think about confessing our sins, we need to, the best way to remember, uh, the best way to confess our sin is to, is, is first yeah, acknowledge the Lord, but what could keep us from having to confess those same sins over and over again is to remember the character of God. It's always to remember, think about who He is and what He's provided for you. If you and I spend all the time being thankful to the Lord, we wouldn't be complaining. If you and I are looking at our lives and see how much the Lord blesses us, you will never be discontent. It is always the heart of a discontent person or a person who believes that they deserve more uh, that uh, that becomes the you know the ones that are always falling into sin because they have this idol in their heart um, and they're not getting what they want so they'll sin to get it. So <clears throat> that's what's going on here in the, sum- the summary of what's going on. Or this is this part of the song that these are singing to the Lord in their confession. Verse twenty-two. You also gave them kingdoms and peoples and allotted to them as a boundary. They took possession of the land of Sihon, the king of Heshron, the land of Og, the king of Bashan. You made their sons numerous as the stars of heaven. You brought them into the land you, which you had told their fathers to enter and possess. So their sons entered and possessed the land, and you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, uh, the Canaanites. You gave them to into their hand with their kings and the people of the land to do with them as they desired. They captured, afflicted, fortified cities and in a fertile land they took possession of houses full of every good thing hewn cisterns vineyards olive groves fruit trees in abundance so they ate they were they, they ate were filled and grew fat and revealed and, and reveled in your great goodness so the israelites at one point you know because you, you can kind of this is basically a summary of the book of joshua parts of Judges, and, um, and by that, uh, if you go through the Judges series that we did for Joy Heirs, you realize that, you know, these Judges weren't just people that uh, decided right and wrong in the way we think about it. These are warlords that that were used by God to deliver Israel and to basically take the land or protect the people. And in the in the book of Joshua, we see the same thing, where God protected them. He spared them. He these are this small group of nomadic people that were overthrowing great nations that had a huge amount of weapons and everything. Um, they put, this is from Joshua, Numbers chapter 20 to Joshua uh, chapter 24. This is every time that they won, every time that they survived is because of God's power and uh, God's covenant promise. And this is how he demonstrates his ability to control all things. Um, and I think when we think about our sins, when we confess Part of what we need to confess is that we fail to acknowledge who God um, was and how good he was to us in the past. And that's usually what leads us to fall into momentary sin. And I would encourage you, if you are struggling with sin, and you you and I are going to struggle with sin in the future, just like in, until we get in glory, uh, but until that time, um, look to Christ. Always look to the Lord and to find uh, your satisfaction in him. Because if you're not 
thankful or even remembering who he is, you will fall back into sin. Uh, this is exactly what uh, happened to the entire Israelites. They just failed to remember how good God is to them. They failed to remember all the good that God has done for them. Not just them, but for the, the generations before. And, you know, this, from the book of Nehemiah's generations after those that were in Joshua, and they failed to remember. Uh, and that's why for most of them, before they got back into the land, they were pagan worshipers. They were idol worshipers. And God used in, um, different individuals to call to you know, call out to them so they could repent. And that's why in, at the point of Nehemiah, there are still uh, you know, remnants of faithful Israelites that returned and are worshiping the Lord when they uh, open God's word and they see that, yeah, like we're no different from our forefathers. We fall into the same type of sins that we're just as big as idol worshipers as they were. So again, the first part of this uh, study in terms of when we, when we think about confessing our sin, it has to be centered around our Savior. Uh, we're going to look more into that tomorrow. But uh, until then, thank you for listening. I hope that this is helpful, and I, and I hope that you become more equipped to do ministry as well as grow and be fed, so that you, or be fed and, and grow so you can be a continual faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. Take care.